0: Let's clap for Jesus today, church. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? What a powerful name His name is. Amen? Amen. You guys, go ahead and have a seat. It is so good to see you. And uh, does it feel like, does it feel like there's a little bit more room in here in this service this morning? I think it does, a little bit, but don't get too used to it, because uh, I just want you to know, first of all, as Pastor Randy said a few moments ago, uh, we are launching our third service. We didn't know how soon that would happen, but we're launching our third service tonight at 5 p.m., and uh, we're having burgers in that service. I'm just saying, you know, we are. And uh, some of you can come join us if you like, but but here's what we had. We had 120-plus uh, adults who said that they would move to that service. And, uh, and, and so we're really grateful for, for them doing that. That's provided a little more space in here for us. As, as you can imagine, here's what's been happening. And I praise God for this. Our church has grown 33% from May to where we're at right now. We've not done any advertising. That's a praise to God. Uh, we've grown in spite of me. That's a big praise to God. We've grown, uh, we've grown tremendously this summer and you've been inviting your friends and people have been driving by and seeing that we're here now. And, and here's the deal. We've not made any kind of push for growth in any kind of way. God just keeps blessing us with more people and we're grateful for that. Uh, here is what is about to happen though. As school starts back up, We're going to grow even more. That happens. And uh, we go through a growth season. And so we knew that we needed to make space because we were already feeling full in the summer months. Were you feeling that? If you were here last week, you probably were. And that was with a lot of people on vacation and things like that happening. And so we're starting a brand new series next Sunday called Happiness Is. And we're going to be exploring that. How many of you want to be happy? Raise your hands. You'd like to... Have, yeah, we want to be happy. Well, we're going to be taking a look at some of the greatest words that Jesus spoke as he talks about that and defines it. And, and, and we're all pursuing it. And the way that Jesus talks about it, it may surprise you and how we experience that in our life. And we're going to talk about how he flips that upside down. We're going to be looking at that next week. So we're starting a new series, but we're also doing a mailer that's going to go out It's going to be 30,000 pieces, and it's going to go out. We haven't done one of those, as Randy said, in several years. He said eight. I bet it's over 10, all right, that we've done a mailer because we didn't have space, but now we have some space, and we're hoping to reach out that way. The way I want to encourage you to help us this week is in your bulletin. You should have received one of these right here, and if you didn't get one, we've got a lot of these out here, and this just talks about our next series, talks about happiness is as we look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be exploring that together and I want, I want you to take this with you this week, and I'm truly I want to ask you to, to just ask God when you're on your way out to show you somebody this week that might could use this. When you're watching and your eyes are open for them and you're, you're seeing people that God's gonna put in your path, who can you invite to come and to be a part of this new series? And so I, I hope you'll take this with you. Take a handful of them. We're, we have enough going that, that have been made for you to be able to do that. And I love the size of these because you can put them in your pocket. right okay and so we're excited about that and tonight as we start the new series or the new service it kind of feels like starting a brand new church and y'all know how much I love that And being a part of church planting and starting new churches and being in on that. And so I'm really excited about that. And we couldn't do it if there weren't many of you who are our heroes who are helping us serve in those ways. And some of you were so grateful, some who are working in the cafe and the parking and doing so many different things to serve and make it possible. picture of a brand new church, or Mauricio's church, it's called King's Church. And they just started their church about three weeks ago and they are already having a family retreat. That's a pretty good core for a brand new church. Would you agree, right? That's a brand new church. Because of your generosity, we've been able to support them some. And, and to think that a year ago, Jerry and myself and Pastor Danny were up there and we met him and he was so discouraged and he was ready to quit, wasn't he, Jerry? And we've been able to come alongside him and encourage him. And he started his fir- ch- church officially three weeks ago. They're right outside of Toronto and Mississippi. And uh, and that church is up and thriving. I think we have another picture. I want you to see something else. You see that guitar that he's playing? Because of your generosity, we were able to buy him that guitar, and they are able to worship the Lord. And so I want to just say a big praise to God for that. Now, when I'm talking about growing as a church, I want you to understand that it is not our ambition. It's not our ambition. We're not looking to be the biggest church. Here's why we want to make space. Here's why we start more churches. Here's why we start new services. It's because of this. Would you agree with me in this? Our world is a mess. Would you agree with me? It's a mess. And here's what we believe. We believe that it is only the gospel of Jesus Christ, his good news, transformative, life-changing gospel that can impact and change that mess. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we're starting new services. That's why we're making space. That's why we built this building. That's why it's not about this building. It's about people. And we love, uh, we love what God is doing. So here's what I want us to do. Before we get into Romans chapter 7, you can start turning there. I want to invite you to pray with me. And I want to ask you to pray with me for this new church tonight. Or excuse me, the new service tonight. And pray with me for this new church uh, called King's Church. Let's pray for them today. Father, we want to say thank you from the depths of our heart, and Lord, we just want to express how much we love you, and we thank you for loving us so much and for loving us first. Lord, it wasn't even our idea to love you. You loved us first, and we're so grateful to you for what you have done in our lives, for how you take messy lives, Lord, and you, you make them into something beautiful, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you that we're a part of a church that's growing and alive and thriving. And Lord, I want to pray this morning, Lord, for the new service tonight. I ask that we would reach a group of people in our community who are not being reached right now, Father. we've, We've launched out in faith in this because we know you're calling us to reach more people for Christ. Father, I I pray for all those who are serving. I want to pray for these who are here in this service, Lord. Would you also just bless them? I'm so grateful for each of them and the way that they serve in so many different ways and, and have made it possible for people to come and hear about the good news of Jesus. Lord, it's our heart to see you glorified in people's lives and to see lives changed for Jesus. Lord, it's our passion to see families that are broken restored by you. It's our passion to see, Lord, marriages that are struggling, that are touched by you, God, and are redeemed by your power. I want to pray, Lord, this morning for King's Church and Pastor Mauricio and for his wife, Mabel. Lord, and just to to be encouraged to know that some words of encouragement and our church coming alongside him and investing in him, and now, Lord, a new church is up and running and lives are being touched there outside of Toronto. We praise you for that. We praise you that we get to be a part of what you are doing, God. Now, Lord, would you speak to us today? We are hungry for your word, and we need, Lord, to be with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, speaking of heroes, I was talking about those serving and how you're our heroes One of the things that if you'll notice about summer, as I have, is that it's a big time for movies, right? It's usually when the blockbuster movies are out and we typically go see them. But I was noticing this and thinking about this. Have you noticed that a lot of those big blockbuster movies are typically movies that revolve around superheroes, right? How many of you love superhero movies? Would you raise your hands? Okay, some of you really love them. But I was noticing this, that there are so many of these movies and, and I'm like, why do they keep making these movies and they recycle them over and over again? You get a whole new cycle of Batman movies or a whole new cycle of Superman or, what, or whatever. And, and there's some kind of superhero movie uh, all the time that's coming out. And, and well, I think we know the reason why they keep making them over and over again. Help me out, why? They sell tickets, right? Which means they're making money. And people keep going to them and, and they'll go to Captain America and this year was Wonder Woman and, and X-Men and Iron Man and Spider-Man and all these things. They keep making them over and over and the reason is because people go. And then I'm like, why do they keep going so much, all right? And I go to some of them, all right? But just being honest, I kind of got tired a little bit of it. I'm like, just kind of get over it a little bit. And my son, he's 20, he's not, he loves them, all right? He's into them all the time. And and I'm like, but why do people go so much? And I'm talking adults. I think a little bit of us, we'd like to kind of be like them in some regard. How many of you wish you had some superhero powers? Would you raise your hands, yeah? I was asking Hope this week. I said, if you could have a superhero power, what would it be? She said, without hesitation, she said, I would want to be invisible woman. And I'm like, wow, you didn't even have to think about that, you know? And I said, why, what's the deal? She's like, can you imagine all the juicy stuff you'd be hearing, right? How fun that'd be? And then she said, I would never have to change out of my pajamas. I wouldn't have to wear makeup. She says, I've thought about this already. I'm like, apparently you have, right? I could take naps, people won't know, you know? (laughs) That sounds like a pretty cool, pretty cool deal, right? Well, uh, for me, or, or I'll tell you about me in a second, but then I started thinking about other members of our staff and what some of their superhero powers may be, and I don't have time to go into all of them, all right? But I started thinking specifically about Karen Schwager. She's our business administrator, and she is awesome. Wouldn't you guys say so? Karen is amazing. So I started thinking about Karen, I was like, you know what, Karen is like Wonder Woman. She totally is, right? Not only because she's just awesome and wonderful, she's Wonder Woman, but let me tell you this, I go into Karen's office and I go in with the intent of delegating something to her, right? You're supposed to delegate things when you're a leader, correct, right? I go in. And Karen is like Wonder Woman because she's like, she totally deflects my delegation. (laughs) Like Wonder Woman had those things on her wrist. (laughs) Before I know it, I'm walking out wondering what just happened. She's Wonder Woman. I'm like, how did I just end up with an assignment I just tried to give her? She's masterful at this, right? And so she's like, I told her, you're like Wonder Woman. But when I was a kid, what I wanted to do was I wanted to fly. When I was a kid, this is what I watched whenever I was a kid on Saturday mornings. That's what I'm talking about. How many of y'all watched that when you were a kid? The Super Friends. And we didn't have, I mean, you didn't get cartoons except on Saturday mornings. That's what you watched and I love that. And so I love the super, the superheroes, right? The Super Friends and I wanted to be like them, and so I would, I would take a towel, I would go to my mom, and I would have her pin it on my shirt. How many of y'all did that because you wanted a cape? All right, just me, all right? And so, and I did this when I was 15. No, seriously, you know, I, I was probably about six or seven when I went through this phase of wanting to fly. And I would wear this cape around the house with my pajamas all day, right? And and I wanted to fly, and then and, and I remember specifically, by the way, I also wanted Aquaman's powers because he could control all of the sea creatures, and this is when I was really terrified of sharks, and I was like, then I could use them, right, okay? And, uh, and kind of be this hybrid. But I remember watching Mary Poppins, do y'all remember that show? And they bust out the umbrella, and what are they doing? They are flying, and I thought, I thought, hmm, I think I'll take an umbrella, and I'm going to have my cape. And I went up on top of our roof. My mom was in this service going, you did not. I did, Mom. And uh, I went up on top of the roof, and I, I went through the song, I believe I can fly. Now, that song wasn't even out yet, but... <laughs> But at this point, I decided I could fly, and I jumped off of the roof with the umbrella and with my cape, and how do you think that worked out for me, right? I messed my ankles up so bad, right? And even today, and I told Hope about this the other day. She said, you really did that? I said, I did do that. She said, you were kind of a dumb kid, weren't you, right? (laughs) And that's coming from a fourth grade team. I was like, I wasn't dumb. I just had a big imagination, right? And I thought I could do this, and, right? And, and, but it's not, we love superheroes. We want their powers, right? But it's not just kids. I was a kid when I did that. But it's not just kids that love them. Adults love them too. That's who spends most of the money on the movies. They even have conventions. Have y'all seen the Comic Con conventions? Every city has one. How many of you have been to one? I'm just curious. All right, a few of you. All right, you You've been to Comic-Con? They dress up at these conventions. You have whole families dressing up at these conventions. You have people that shouldn't be dressing up at these conventions, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, you can never unsee that again, can you, right? That was this year at Comic-Con. Right, But uh, the point is, is that it seems like these superhero stories, for some reason, they never get old and they keep making more of them because people spend money. And I think it's because I really do think we all kinda wanna live a heroic life. Who doesn't? I mean, I wanna be a hero to my kids. I wanna live a heroic life to my, for my wife, even though she said you were kind of a dumb kid, right? Or I wanna be a heroic uncle. I've got nephews and, and nieces, and I want to be a heroic kind of person for them. I have a sister, I want to be a heroic kind of brother. I want to be a heroic kind of son. I'm a pastor in the community. I want to be a heroic kind of pastor because I want to change lives and help people and all of this, right? I started noticing something this summer whenever I went to see Wonder Woman, and I got talked into going to see that, and it was okay, all right? Uh, better than what I thought. and. And as I was watching that, I was noticing something particular in this genre of movies is this, is that all of these superheroes behind the masks, behind the capes, behind the costumes, and all the superhero powers, what I noticed about all of them is that they all have some kind of major brokenness in their life. And I noticed that because it was like the same thing with Wonder Woman too, And I was like, yeah, Batman, think about Batman, right? His family was killed in front of him. Spider-Man, same kind of deal. Then his uncle murdered. A lot of loss, a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness. And I started thinking about others. You know, you see that with Wonder Woman and Superman. What about Superman? Well, he lost his whole planet, okay? So that could be a bummer when that happens. What about uh, Hulk, major anger issues, right? He's a little bit on the broken side. Wonder Woman's whole family situation was a mess. Not to leave out Nacho Libre either, right? He was oppressed by the other monks and they judged him for wanting to be a wrestler and wear stretchy pants, right, okay? As you know. And so behind every superhero though is pain. There's pain and a lot of us, we want the superhero part of it, But we're glad to skip the pain part. But it seems like they kind of go hand in hand, right? It seems like their lives are a mess. And when we say a mess, when I say the word mess, if we were playing Family Feud this morning, what would the top answers for you be? When we say mess, now be careful. Mine, I thought automatically, my kids' rooms, right? How many of you would agree? Yours? Okay, kids' rooms, my closet is a mess right now. My garage can become kind of messy, and, but maybe for you it's not that kind of mess you think of. Maybe for you it's challenges. I started thinking about conflict with others that can be a mess in my life. I can think about the problem that my mouth gets me into, the messes that my mouth can get me into, uh, the road rage issues that I could struggle with, and that's just on the way to church this morning I'm talking about, right? Right? No, I'm kidding, but it could have been this week, right? And but we're all kind of a mess. What I'm saying is this about myself. I'm just kind of confession to you this morning, I'm a mess. What about you? I mean, I can be a mess. My outer world can look so messy sometimes and I can mess up in such ways that I I really get discouraged about. But you know what? Here's the thing. My inner world, where my faith and my soul collide, can sometimes, that can get kind of messy too, if I'm being honest. I mean, I can struggle with these things in my life, the mess. For example, I know that I could have deeper, consistent times that I spend with Jesus. And here's what bothers me about myself sometimes, is that I know this intellectually, that Jesus is the one that made it possible for me to be in this privilege of this incredible relationship. But then there can be times where I go, I'm being honest, where I can almost kind of ignore that time with him. And I'm your pastor. And I'm just letting you know that. There are times that I know that I could spend better quality time studying his word personally for me. Uh, I'm I'm seminary educated and I know a lot of things intellectually but there are times that I still doubt. Do you? There are times I struggle with, with some of the things that are happening in our world and I've got this stuff up here in my brain but sometimes my faith sometimes is pretty weak. Sometimes I worry about things. Do you do that? And I'm like, why am I worrying about this? I know God is in control, but then I go down the path of worry. I don't know about you, but I can just be a mess. I know I could be more compassionate with people. I know I could I could be a better dad at certain times. I know I could be a better husband. You know, and and I I just think, sometimes I can just think messy thoughts, and I'm like, where did that come from? Do you ever have those? Like, a few weeks ago, I was driving, and and there was this whole big group of cyclists in front of me. There's probably like a hundred of them out in front of me, and I couldn't get around them. You ever feel that, right? Yeah? I don't know what you call a big group of cyclists, a gaggle, a herd, uh, a flock, I don't know what you call them, but uh, I couldn't get around the flock of cyclists. Okay, and I'm just thinking. Finally, I, I got to a place where I could, and this thought kind of went in my my mind. And 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 I'm a runner, so I think more like runners think or whatever. But this thought went. I like was wondering what would happen if I kind of like edged one of them a little bit, and then the whole flock like went, <laughs> you don't know. And then I'm like stop it, why are you thinking thoughts like that, you know, I'm, an, I'm a mess, and, and that was on my way to church one morning, getting ready to preach Jesus and forgiveness, and, you know, but I'm serious, maybe you have thoughts that you're like, where, and I wouldn't want anybody hurt, I'm just saying, where in the world do those thoughts come from? Well, here's something I want to say to all of you this morning, hello, my name is Bart Howell, and I am a mess. She said, I know you are. Now, here's what I want to ask. Thanks, Miss Lucille, thanks. Um, How many of you, you recognize, you know what, not me, but you, that you're a mess too? How many of you know that, right? Aren't we messy? Right? And sometimes we struggle with admitting this sometimes, I think right? We can struggle with how messy we can be. And, you know, uh, maybe some of you, you're like, man, yeah, I'm struggling, Bart. Maybe you sat right in one of these chairs and you made some kind of spiritual commitment. The message spoke to you and you're like, I'm so in on this. And then you get into your week and the next thing you know, boom, you're back doing some of the same things. You ever done that? or you're like, I'm gonna to commit to reading through God's word this year, and you're in Genesis, and you're rocking it, and then you're in Exodus, this is good stuff, I love seeing this happening, and, and then what happens? You get into Leviticus, and you're like, man, I don't know, right? And then you get into Numbers, and you're like, man, I ain't no accountant, you know, and that's what you're thinking, and I ain't no English major either, right? And double negatives, and, and, but you, you struggle with that, keeping commitments, or you heard a message on forgiveness, And you're like, yes, I'm going to release that person. And then you see them and it's like Hulk. You know, you, you have a hard time letting go of some of those things. It's because we can be a mess. And when that happens, when we blow our spiritual commitments, here's what starts. We start trying to conquer them maybe in our own power. We start feeling bad and we think, I'm not a very good Christian. How many of you have thought, I'm not a very good Christian? Raise your hands. And you're not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing. But seriously, the reason why I love God's word so much is because it doesn't water down the stories of these people who are in it. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that some of the people who are in here, they can really be a mess? God doesn't edit that out. You know, they really struggle, especially uh, this one that I'm I'm, going to talk to you about for a second here is Paul, who is in my book, I'm just going to tell you, he's a straight up spiritual superhero. When you look at his life and his, but you know what? You see Paul battling with some messiness in his life. You see Paul, who is this passionate follower of Jesus Christ, and yet sometimes he seems so spiritually tortured internally at times when he's just being honest about some things. And by the way, he is as he's writing the Bible, right? The New Testament for us. The Holy Spirit is guiding him along. It's inspired by God. So in Romans chapter seven, by the way, Romans six, Romans seven, and Romans eight are life-changing passages for me. And I really love each of them, but what what chapter 7 does for me is it reminds me of what a mess I can be. And then, of course, chapter 8 reminds me of the answer to that mess. Romans 7, Paul writes this about himself. In chapter 6, he writes about how we've been set free in Jesus Christ. We don't have to be bound to sin anymore. But in chapter 7, you see that he has this internal struggle that's going on. He says in chapter 7, verse 15, let me read you just a few different passages. He says, I don't really understand myself. You ever felt that way? Man, Why do I keep doing this? For what I want to do, for when I want to do what is right, but I don't do it, he says. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but then he starts talking about, he's trying to power through it in his own power and strength, but listen to what he says, but I can't. I can't seem to carry it out. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. Say it with me, church, but, but what? But I, why do I keep doing this stuff? I do it anyway. I've discovered, verse 21, the prin- this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I keep blowing it. I can't keep my commitments. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with uh, my resolution that we so often make at the beginning of the year, and then three weeks, we're back to some of our same patterns and habits And then Paul says this. In fact, will you read it with me out loud? What does he say about himself? Oh, what a, what does he say? Miserable person I am. What a miserable man I am. Sound familiar? And then he asks this question that he's gonna get into in chapter eight. Who will free me from this life that can be so dominated, he says, by sin and by death, and he's perfectly describing, it resonates with me, this battle for inconsistency that lives within me. This battle that seems to be raging, and of course, chapter eight, again, is so life-changing and it's so powerful because he talks about how the answer is found in Jesus Christ and that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ, even though we feel condemned because we, we blow it from time to time, or we, we mess up, and he said, he speaks of God's grace and his love that's inseparable from us, and it sets us free. Keep reading in chapter eight today. I urge you to do that on your own. But here's this concept of the struggle that, that just sticks out for me today. What I get from it is that it's not new is that all of these Bible figures who are are superheroes, they're filled with, it's filled with messy heroes, God's word is. The flaws of these heroes are not edited out. God doesn't edit them out. You know who have been some of the worst at editing them out? It's been preachers. A lot of times we just don't like to talk about some of that. A lot of times we just skip over some of that, right? But but here's what I say, this is something I love. Uh, Pastor Danny leads uh, our college group and they're going through something called the Bible Project and they're going through book by book and they are going deep and I love this. My son is in this group and here's what I'm loving is that they are grappling with some of the difficult parts of scripture and Luke is coming home with lots of questions. Again, he's 21, but you know what I love about this? He came to me the other day and he said, Dad, he said, man, Solomon blew it and i'm like he sure did luke he blew it and he and then we have a dialogue about it and he's and, and you know what i'm loving about this is he's seeing that these guys who are in scripture that that what he's seeing is that there's only one who is in here who has never sinned and his name is jesus amen right but here's what luke is seeing is that they blew a lot of them blew it but god still did beautiful things with their lives And you know, and I love that his faith is becoming his own, and that he's discovering that. I mean, think about these guys in Scripture. Think about Noah. Great man of faith. Wouldn't you all agree, right? Whenever it had ever rained, and this is what he's going to do, and then he gets on the ark when it rains and floods, and he's on the boat there for about 370-ish days. Factor that in, being with your family cooped up in that boat that long. And he's with all of those animals, right? And what does he do right after he gets off of the boat? Come on, folks. What does he do? He gets drunk and gets naked. You don't hear a lot of sermons on that, do you? Some of you are like, I relate, Noah, when you've been with your family for a week, right? I mean, I don't remember in my Sunday school class anybody throwing up a flannel graph of naked drunk Noah, okay, do you remember that? I don't remember that. But here's the thing, think about these guys. I could talk about David, couldn't I? I could talk about Solomon. I was reading about Abraham this week, a great man of faith, but you know what? He started telling some lies to certain people because he wasn't trusting God. All of these guys were blowing it at one time or another. They weren't perfect. They were people. They were people whose lives got messy. I started thinking about the New Testament. Just think with me. Think about Peter. I will never deny you. Hours later, what does he do? Denies Jesus to a servant girl. We will never leave you, Jesus. Think about that. Hours later, they're all running away. Thomas doubted. Peter had a big mouth. Are you guys tracking with me today? These guys' lives were messy. They were messy. And here's what I want us to understand today. If you're taking some notes, just some things quickly to write down, here's what I hope you're all sensing today and that you can all agree is is this. Can we just admit this? We all have messy lives, Right? We all have messy lives, and God gives us this great blessing with transparency of His word. It's, this is so big. I, I, I really believe this. I don't think you can be a hero that God has called you out to be until you've come to grips with your own messiness. And you realize how much you need Jesus, that we all do, that every person does. You see, and we all realize that every person needs Jesus. We all need him. kind of takes our eyes off of other people so much and our judging of others, and we realize, you know what? I'm really broken myself. My family has brokenness. We all have messy lives. Think about in these superhero movies what happens, though. In a lot of these movies, many of them, one of the coolest part of the movie is when they don't know that they have power, and then all of a sudden they discover it. And then it's like, I have some power and Superman figures out he can fly or Spider-Man, his stuff sticking to his hands. He's got this power or he's able to web sling some stuff. Wouldn't that be cool if someone was talking, you didn't want to hear it, you know, or whatever. I mean, these guys are able to do It's like they discover some kind of power within and the same is true for Christ followers, that when we discover that we don't have this power on our own, but when we have, what we have is God's power, and that's what Romans 8 is about, God's power that's been made available to every one of us. It's been made available to you and to me in the midst of all of our mess, and that what God really loves to do is he loves to take a mess and make it into something Beautiful. And that's what he does. Write this down. God, God, in spite of our mess, he loves us. And he chooses to indwell us in spite of our messy lives. He chooses to use people like us. Does that blow you away that it does me? I mean, every day that I get to do what I'm doing, I'm like, God, my life I can be such a mess, but you would use me. It humbles me. It makes me want to serve you more. I mean, it doesn't, God will indwell us. It doesn't say in our, you know, when we have our weak moments, he doesn't say when we are messed up, I'm so done with you, you blew it again. You're nothing but a failure. I've done all of this for you and this. See, that's what a lot of times, that's the tapes we play in our mind, but that's not the way it really is. That's not how he is. No, when we mess up, he presses into us. He never gives up on us. He keeps pursuing us, right? That's the gospel. He keeps coming after us. He keeps extending kindness and grace and mercy to us. He offers us his help when we've made a mess of our lives and what an incredible moment that is in our life when we discover that power within and that he loves us in spite of ourselves. Paul would talk about some of these kinds of things. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Look at what he says. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, he says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Paul had baggage. You probably have some baggage like I do. And he's saying, I look at my life and I see this. and I, I have baggage. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, that's because of Jesus, he says. It's all because God poured out his special favor on me. Do you know what that is? That is grace, folks. And grace is us receiving what we don't deserve. That's the kind of God that he is. That's the way that he loves us. Not without results, he says, for I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. But look at what he says. Yet it was not I but it was God who was working through me by his grace. What Paul is saying is, I'm not even worthy. I'm not even worthy, but anything that is good in my life, all this brokenness God has used and done good things in my life, and he's saying it all points back to him. I don't even deserve to be called one of his. And then in 2 Corinthians, he talks about his thorn in the flesh and some major struggles. We don't know exactly what that is in chapter 12. It could have been physical issues Paul was battling. It could have been mental issues that he was struggling with. We don't know. Could have been emotional struggle. Could have been relational. But whatever it was, he recognized it as a weakness in his life. But look at what he says about the weakness. So to keep me from becoming proud, which some of us do sometimes, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. He recognized God needed to do this in his life, that God was going to keep him humble. Three times, three different times, I begged the Lord, take it away. Have you ever prayed that? I have. Each time he said this, my grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient. I love this part right here. My power works best in what, church? Your weakness. So now, Paul says, because I've learned this, he said, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Not because I'm, I'm glad about those things per se, but I'm glad that the power of Christ can work through me. He says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. That's why I take pleasure in the insults. When you're trying to follow Christ and that happens, or you're persecuted, or you are you go through hardships. Anybody else go through hardships? Yes. And sometimes we're like, God, take it away. And sometimes he does. But You know what, sometimes, here's what Paul is saying. Sometimes he's using it in our lives to shape us in ways that maybe we wouldn't grow to be more like him. He says, these persecutions, these troubles that I suffer for Christ, and then he's gonna make this bold statement, for when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. When I'm actually embracing my weakness, when I'll acknowledge it, I really believe this. It emphasizes that when we finally acknowledge this, this is when Jesus puts his arms around us. When we acknowledge how broken we are and we feel the Savior, we get it backwards. We think that when we acknowledge this, that's when Jesus is gonna push us away. But it's in this time that he, that he embraces us and draws us close. And I think in, in so many times, it's when he finally says to us, finally, you're getting it. You can't do this without me. You need me, and I wanna work in your mess, and I wanna make something that's beautiful, right? He's a father that when we blow it, he gives us this imagery so often, he's a father that when we blow it, he's he's not scowling at you, he's running to you, and he's running to me. And, and, and I'm trying to come up with words to maybe get him to accept me again like that prodigal son, right? And no, he says, I don't want to hear any of that. And he wraps me up in his robe and he puts his ring, the family ring on my finger. And what does the scripture say? He says that he does, he throws a party for me and a party for you. What a God we serve, amen? What, I hope you feel that today. That he loves you in spite of your mess. Now I want you to hear this. God does not condone our messy lives. Here is what he does. He redeems them. Because he's gonna talk about sin. He's gonna say, is that saying because of grace that you should just go on sinning? He's saying no, I wanna redeem that in your life. You see, part of the gospel The whole gospel is this, is that it's not just that you get to go to heaven one day. The gospel is that he wants to flood into your life today and give you power to live today, to release you from things that have oppressed you, to set you free from things that you've been addicted to. He doesn't condone our messy lives. He just wants to redeem them. And he wants to turn them into something great, into holiness in our life. And and so instead of letting your messy life defeat you and to discourage you and to think that God would never love you or accept you, let it drive you into his arms or maybe you compare yourself to others. I can never be like Pastor Randy. He's such a godly man. I can never be like this guy over here, or like Jerry or Liz or, or those who have been believers for long And you're thinking, I can never do that. And so you just kind of get to a place where you're like, I'm just a mess. But God wants to use your mess, the things that you're ashamed of, the stuff you never want to talk about. In his power, he actually can use that weakness bring glory to His name, to people around you. Here's His desire for you. By the way, that mess is the manure for growth in our life. See, when when some of you thought a mess, you probably thought a mess, right? But if you're any kind of gardener, you know that it takes manure and a mess to make something grow, And God can use that in your life. Whatever your mess is, he can use it to grow. But what he desires for this fruit in your life, what God desires is he desires holiness. It's his desire for you. Holiness for you and for me. And now when we hear that, we think, well, that can't be for me. That must just be for priests or for pastors or missionaries or whatever but it's meant for us, for Christ followers. Following Jesus is not just adopting some religious set of rules or or just following some set of behavior to where now you're just a a good boy or you smile all the time, right? And you know how to do it. That's not what following Jesus is about. Following Jesus is about being transformed to resemble the one that you follow. Follow. To begin to look more like Jesus, that's part of that gospel. It's not just that you go to heaven one day, that's beautiful, but he wants to turn you into more looking like his son every day. Look at what Hebrews 10 says, for God's will was for us to be made holy, How are we made holy? By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Holiness is the goal for every Christ follower. And here is all that holy means. Holy simply means this, set apart. That you're different. That God's doing something in your life. So over on one side, here's what it means. There's evil and wickedness and sin and, and unbiblical living. And holiness means to be set apart from that, to begin to move away from that. And over here is Jesus who is perfectly holy. And you're beginning to look more and more like him. What this is called, church, this is called, many of you know this, it's a theological term, it's called sanctification. Now some of you, maybe you've never heard that before. Don't let this turn you off. Here's all it means. It's a theological term. It means this. It's the process of becoming holy. It's the process that God is taking you through as a believer of making you to look more like his son, Jesus. And it's not your, it's not just your effort, it's you participating with what he's doing in your life. Now just very quickly, there are a couple of types of sanctification that are happening. There is positional sanctification, and what that means is when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and what he did for you on the cross, and that you have eternal life when you believe on him in faith, and that he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, at that moment you become positionally Holy. And he cloaks you in his righteousness. That's called the great exchange. The one who was without sin took your sin upon him and my sin and he gave us his righteousness. He imputed his righteousness to our account or credited, that's what that word means. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become, we're becoming what? The righteousness of God. And so you'll read parts of the New Testament that will say things new creation, right? You're position you are a new you are a holy nation, a new creation, right? You're positionally holy and it's purely because of God's grace, but what kind of we've been talking about today is what is called progressive sanctification. This is the process that God is taking you through and taking me through. It's kind of like this. How many of you remember when you were younger how many of you remember Polaroid cameras? Did Anybody have one of those? Okay, right? I was at a, a wedding this summer, and there was a teenager walking around with a Polaroid, and they were taking pictures because they're coming back in. Did you know that? Polaroids. Now, they don't look like that. They're kind of fancy looking now. But they were walking around taking pictures, and they were like, this is like all something new, you know, or whatever, and, uh, but Polaroids are coming back. By the way, I heard the other day, so are fanny packs, right? They're coming back too. Some of you didn't know they went out, I'm just saying, all right? And you've been, you've been pressing through, and look, you made it. They're back, okay? And, uh, but what do you do with a Polaroid? The Polaroid, it, it spits the picture out. How many of you remember what you do with it? You get the picture, and what do you do? You shake that thing, don't you? You shake it, Right? And here's what progressive sanctification, it's so much like this, is that you're this image, you cap, the image has been captured, and then God has you in his hand, and what, he's, what is he doing? He's, he's shaking you a little bit. You ever feel that? He's shaking you up a little bit. And as he's shaking you up, what happens when you shake the picture? The image starts to appear. And what God is doing in our lives Because he's shaking you up, some of you are like, man, I wish his arm would get tired because he has been shaking me up a lot. But you see, when he's shaking us up, it's not he's shaking us. I'm going to make you look like Jesus. When he's shaking us up, he's saying, I love you so much. And I am knocking these edges off of you because I have a grand vision for you. And my vision is that you are going to look like my son, Jesus. See, that's the gospel. The gospel is that he wants to flood. He doesn't only just want to give you eternal life. Yes, he does, I know. But he wants to do something magnificent with your life today too. And he wants you to have that power. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. He wants you to look like Jesus because it points people to him. Who is the spirit? He makes us more and more, right, look like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, here's the last thing I want to say to you today, okay? And this is the gospel. This is good news. Are you ready for it? You don't have to clean up your mess before you come to Jesus. Amen, right? Yeah, clap because that's Jesus, not me. You don't have to... You don't have to figure it all out first before you come to Him. Because some of you are like this, I know you're like, man, I've got to kick that habit first or maybe before I, I'll start going to church for a little while and maybe kind of get in that habit or I'm gonna get this this bad habit I have conquered first or I need to look a little more like what a Christian looks like or, you know, I'll get my act together if I can give up this alcohol or if I give this up. Listen, you don't clean your mess up before you come to him, you come with your mess. And he says, I want, I want you you come as you are. Now here's the beautiful thing is that he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us as we are. But come as you are. You've heard the cliche, you don't, you don't clean up before you take a shower or a bath, right? You just take it and, 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 that, and, and he's calling some of you today and you've been thinking I've got to get my life straightened out. No, come to him in your mess and when you take that turn to him, he runs to you and he embraces you. Right? Some of you, I heard a guy say this the other day and I loved it. He said, Some of us, we, we think that we have to behave before we believe. But in some of our churches, we've gotten that backwards. Actually, people need to come and believe and then we should expect them. At that point, the behavior begins to change. But some of us are like, No, they have to behave a certain way first. That's backwards. Let them come to Jesus. And He's the one that begins to change us. With Jesus, you don't have to clean up first. The reason I'm preaching on this today is because my heart hurts for all the people that I talk to so regularly who feel defeated, who feel discouraged or feel disillusioned. Some of us, we may even say, I hate myself. I keep doing this over. I'm striving. I'm trying to do it. You're trying to do it in your own power. And then when you blow it again, we believe the lie of the enemy that we have to perform for God to ever accept us again. And so then what do many of us do? We become spiritually apathetic and we just give up. We, we go into spiritual passivity is what we'll call it. I just give up. I'll just withdraw. I'll just start coming to church. I'll, I just won't care anymore. What's the use? I'm a failure. I never can do this. I want you to hear something today. God wants you back. Or some of you, maybe it's not spiritual passivity, it's spiritual performance. You know you're messed up, but you don't want anybody else to know that you're messed up. And so we're good at putting on the act, and we perform, and we kind of just live in a state of hypocrisy. And he wants you to just lose the mask and come to him. My favorite thing that happens in life groups is whenever someone opens up and says, I'm struggling And then another person says, me too. Boy, God does something big in that moment, doesn't he? That's when I've seen the groups I've been a part of grow the closest. Is when we acknowledge we're a mess and we acknowledge that we all need Jesus. Transformation starts happening when the mess is unmasked. I want to invite you to pray with me at this moment. Will you just pray with me right now? And as we pray, some of you are kind of new here to EBC, but I want you to know that one of the things that I love about this church so much, when we planted it 18 years ago, our hope was that it could be a place where people could just be real. Be a safe place for people to come who are messy. What I love is seeing when a person... Comes to Jesus in all their mess and they're real about it and God does something so powerful with that honesty, what he does is he redeems it because that's who he is. And then what happens when we see that? We all grow a little. We grow a little more because we see the amazing grace of Jesus at work. And so if you have something messy this morning that's going on in your life, Here's the invitation from Jesus. He says, come to me right now. Come to me. Some of you have never placed your faith in Jesus because you've been thinking you've got to earn his love. I just want you to hear, if you've never understood this, he loves you in spite of your mess. He died for your mess and mine. And he said, if you'll If you'll believe in me and I'm your savior, I will give you not only eternal life, but I will change your life. He wants to flood into every part of your life. If you've never called on him, say right now, Jesus, will you step into my mess and be my savior? I want you to be my savior, Jesus. Jesus. I don't know how to clean this mess up anymore, God. Will you forgive me of my sin? I don't even know how to follow you. I just know that I want to. Some of you, maybe you're a believer and you've just been struggling and today you realize you're kind of a mess too. Maybe today you would just rediscover that grace and that loving to him too and it says that when we do he throws a party for a son and a daughter who comes home thank you Lord for your grace it overwhelms us would you just flood it into this space today into our hearts into our lives we worship you we honor you would you make us more like Jesus in his name that we pray and all God's people said Amen as you listen to this song, as we close I just want you to envision these words coming from Jesus himself to you, this is his invitation to you